I think I used to put so much pressure on what church was supposed to mean to me. Yeah, and you know, Hollywood could be a very, very lonely, lonely place. You're surrounded by so many different types of people with different motives and different goals. And I was struggling, and I was feeling alone, and I was feeling lost. Going down Hollywood and La Brea, we'd always see this all these people hanging out around 9 a.m. And I just saw people smiling all the time. <laughs> everybody just, happy. Everybody happy. It was like, whatever they're doing there, <laughs> they're doing it right, because you just see all the love coming out of everyone. I remember the first time we walked into church, and I was like, what? It was just so amazing. And then I realized, this is an amazing family, and they all believe in this church, and this is somewhere I want to be. It was just so effortless to connect. And when Pastor Irwin first talked about the church staying in the heart of Hollywood, it immediately spoke to me. Okay, this is why I've always wanted to live here, because I just love the idea of someone that's maybe never even heard of Jesus or can one day be walking down Hollywood and La Brea and see one of the baptisms and just say, man, what is that? And why are those people so happy? <laughs> We're here to stay because we want to be at a place where we can connect as a family. We can learn from others. They can learn from us. And this is a place that you can be forever. p.m. you're lively you're excited and and I'm just really excited to be here and and have a conversation together that, that that I think can be one that unites us one that pulls us forward one that we can have together and choose to leave not just as an individual but leave as a people see there's this thing that that I have to tell you up front that I have to just confess that I have to be honest about I'm a coward. I know that's a rough way to start, but I need you to know this about me. If, if we've never met, I need you to know that I'm a coward. I need you to know that there are way too many fears that live inside of me than then I want to admit, how about you? See, I'm afraid of so many things. I'm afraid of snakes. I'm afraid of, of dating. But I'm married now, and so... One of the reasons I said I just don't want to date anymore is I'm over it. And I'm kidding. I love my wife. She's incredible. We just celebrated eight years of marriage this month. <laughs> Phenomenal. But I, there's so many things in my life I'm afraid. I'm afraid of open water. I watched one episode of Baywatch when I was 12 and it ruined me. There, there are so many. I can't even begin to describe how many fears that I have. Anybody else have fears that just rob you of a future that you long for? See, I, I wish that I wasn't a fearful person, but, but, but I am. And, and there's so many times I feel like I, I see a future and I see a narrative that God's calling me to. And, and rather than leap into it with faith, I stay stagnant with my fears. And, and, and the scriptures are full of moments and conversations that God has with us where he reminds us that, that there is fear that lives inside of us, but it, it does not mean that it has to stay inside of us. And I feel like a lot of times we, we miss out on what God has for us because we're focused on the fear and we don't realize that it's actually the material for our faith. And I've been seeing this this week, or even recently with my, 
oldest son is I, he's four and a half, and, and, and we went to Palm Springs recently, and we went with some friends, and, and we're at the pool, and, and our youngest son, Indigo, is two, and he's fearless. He's jumping off the side of the pool, diving in. He's going under, popping back up. He, he's running around the pool, falling, getting back up. He, he punches me in the stomach, laughs at me like, yo, I own you, bro, and then jumps in the pool. I'm like, yo, you're two. You better calm down. He's like, say something. I'm like, my bad, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> he's fearless, but, but Zai, our four-year-old, is, is a little more timid, a little more scared, kind of like his pops. And then we're just in Palm Springs, and, 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 I, and I'm just going like, Zai, like, don't you want to jump in the pool? He's like, no, dad, dad. I don't want to. And I said, like, why not? What are you afraid of? And he's like, I'm afraid that I'm going to go underwater. And I said, that's a rational fear. I get that, buddy. But, but you have a life jacket on. So you're, you can't go underwater. And, and don't you think it'd be so much fun? He looks at his brother. And his brother's just diving full cannonball like, yeah, living life. And he's, even he sees it and he senses it. He's so, he goes, literally when we pray every night, he goes, Jesus, I want to thank you for Indy. He's the most courageous boy I know. Isn't that so sweet? And I'm like, I love you. <laughs> but like he sees it and he wants it. And we're in Palm Springs. He's watching his brother just, just thrive. And he's standing here not realizing that that possibility is there. But God's not going to remove the fear. He's waiting to elevate the faith. You see... I think so many times in life, God looks us in the eyes. He shakes us, and he asks us this one question. He says, what are you so afraid of? And so often, I think we miss out on what God has for us because we're so terrified of what could be that we miss out on the possibilities of exactly that, what could it be? And in Jonah chapter 1, I want to go together and read a passage that really, I feel like, gives us some insight into what we can do when we decide to not let our fears limit us, but actually let it catalyze us. Jonah chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittal. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord, and he headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port, and after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So here's this moment in the scriptures, in the moment in the life of Jonah, where, where it says that God gives him a word, it gives him a message. He says, Jonah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the city of Nineveh, that, that there's an uprising that's coming, that there's, there's, there's evil that's happening, and they need to know that it's time to turn. They need to know that I want to have a conversation with them, that something has to shift. So Jonah, I'm going to give you a message, and I want you to take it. I want you to share it, that here's a word from God for an entire group of people. And, and Jonah does what any rational person does. When God speaks, he runs in the opposite direction. And, and I'm sure Jonah is, is the only person in human history that when God has said something, he ran in the opposite direction. How many times in your life, how many times in my life, have we craved the voice of God, but then when we actually had it, we act like we didn't hear it because he didn't say what we wanted him to say. Ooh, we got to go there tonight. See, how desperate are you for the voice of God? Because if you're desperate, every time, the scriptures say, every time you call out on him, he's going to speak. 
Every time you, you seek him, you will find him. But the question is, are you seeking what you want or what he wants? And it's here in this moment that Jonah has a word from God, but it says he, he flees in the opposite direction. And you want to know how far he flees? He says that, that God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, and Jonah said, nah, I'm good, I'm going to go to Tarshish. And you want to know the distance between Nineveh and Tarshish? 2,500 miles. Some of y'all are like, that sounds like it's from like Hollywood to Burbank, right? No, no, 2,500 miles. You know that is the distance from L.A. to Honolulu. That's far. So what Jonah was doing, he said, I'm getting as far away from you people as I possibly can. See, I'm getting as far away from where God wants me as, as humanly possible. See, Jonah is running from God rather than running towards God. And, and, and I wonder for, for you, what happened when God spoke to you for the first time? What, what happened when God gave a call and he, and, he, and he invited you into something that was greater than you could even imagine? See, see if the call that God has given in your life is, is simply possible in your own might, there's a chance that that was not from God. But the things that God calls us to are things that without him we cannot do on our own. And he says, no, this is why I gave you the call. Because if you gave the call, it would be too small. But when I give the call, it's bigger than you can even imagine. And Jonah was terrified. Jonah was scared out of his mind. You don't want to know why? Because he hated the Ninevites and he knew that they hated him. And he said, if I step foot in this place, they are going to do to me what I would do to them. See, have you ever, like, projected your own dysfunction on someone else? Have you ever been like, oh, I, I can't tell her the truth because if I do, she'll hate me. If I do, she'll betray me. If I do, she'll be so mad at me. Maybe actually that person has more character and more compassion than you have chosen to live. And maybe that's why God allowed them to be into your life. See, I think we need to stop projecting our negative thought processes and our negative insights and putting God's name on it. And God's like, no. See, I told you to go to Nineveh. See, I, I called you to something that you did not want to do. And, and don't let the fear limit you. Actually, let it, like, catapult you. See, if we're going to ask ourselves this question, what am I so afraid of? What is, what is stealing from me my future? See, the first conversation that we have to understand, the first decision that we have to make is that you cannot let worry fuel your fears. See, so you cannot let, let worry be, be the mindset that fuels the very thing inside of you that is terrifying you. See, worry is such an interesting thing. See, what worry is, at its simplistic form, is us using our imagination in the worst way possible. And then when we worry, we create a scenario, we create a world, we create a situation. It's like the worst thing that could happen. Oh, my goodness, Jesus, why? And he's like, yo, it's like Tuesday. It hasn't even happened yet. 
But that's what happens when we choose to be fueled by worry that, that it just increases and we're only thinking about the negative thing and we're wasting the imagination that God gave us. See, worry is a waste of the imagination that God gave us that we're supposed to create hope. Optimism. Wonder. Like, what could be? And, and Jonah finds himself in this place where he's like, I can't go there because I'm scared of what's going to happen when I show up. See, he lets his fears begin to dictate his actions rather than let God's voice be the, the force that is moving him forward. See, I can resonate with Jonah because I'm, like I said, I'm a scaredy cat. I'm afraid of so many things. I'm, I'm afraid of snow. <laughs> I grew up in Arizona. We don't know what to do with that. It's just desert. Like, why is this thing coming from the sky? And why am I cold? I'm going inside. <laughs> See, and, and one year, like, well, for my whole life, people trying to, hey, let's go snowboarding. Come with me. Let's go to the mountain. I'd be like, nah. See, here's the thing. I'm a brother. We don't do that, you know? <laughs> like, you'll love it. You're athletic and all this stuff. I was like, yo, don't be like, boast, boast my ego. But how athletic am I, though? Like, tell me. Could I do it? <laughs> like, can I be on the board, you know? I'm like, no, I can't. And then finally, one year, we plan this trip. And, and we take a group of people, like 40, 50 of us that go. And, and I tried to get out of it, but like, I was getting all these lessons and gear. So I set up a lesson. And then I had to like, get everybody their gear, their boards, all that stuff. So by the time I finished all that, the lesson was over. And I had never snowboarded, skied, done any winter sport in my entire life. And so I was like, oh, dang, sucks. I missed the lesson. Mm, I guess I'm not going to be able to go. And a friend of mine is like, hey, bro, don't worry, I got you. I snowboarded my whole life, I'll give you a quick lesson. I was like, nah, bro, I don't want to inconvenience you. Nah, you know. And he said, like, no, I grew up in Colorado and actually worked at a resort and so I could teach you. And I'm like, all right, but I need you to understand, I, I know nothing. He's like, yeah, you're good. We'll go on the bunny slopes, get your bearings, and you'll be good. I was like, all right. We hop on the lift and we start going. And we start going. And we keep going high. And, 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 I, and I don't know a lot about skiing and snowboarding, but, but I do know a lot about gravity. And the higher you go, the, the further it takes to get back down. And I was like, hey, bro, like, are, are we good? Like, I thought we were going to the bunny slopes. And, you know, he's like, mm-hmm, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? When, when you know someone's lying to you, they have that awkward life. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, yo, bro, no, you're lying. What happened? What happened? Like, what? And he's like, okay, we got on the wrong lift. I was like, well, which lift did we get on? He said, we got on the Black Diamonds. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah, yeah. So I've never been skiing, never been snowboarding, but I know one thing. If you put black in front of anything, it's not good. It's not good. I said, what do you mean we're on the black diamonds? I'm so sorry, we're in the wrong lift. And, and, and it's worse. It's worse. See, that day was a competition. And so as we're going up this lift, there, there's these guys with like numbers on their chest to be graded and scored. And, and they're flying down the mountain into a half pipe doing flips and somersaults and and I'm just crying, being like, Jesus, why? <laughs> and I said, like, bro, what, what am I going to do? He's like, don't worry. We'll get on the top of the lift, and I'll give you some lessons, and you'll be fine. So I was like, all right. First, I just got to figure out, bro, how do you get off the lift? <laughs> and I said, if I can just do that part, then I'll know that, like, God is with me. And so I get off the lift, and I don't fall, and I'm just like, Jesus. 
And then he tries to give me a little lesson on the top there, and I'm falling. I have no idea what I'm doing. And my wife, who was there with me on the trip, and she's a skier, and she comes over. She said, babe, like, you got this. Just, you can do it. I said, babe, I don't think I can. She's like, you got it. I'll see you down. She goes, shh, takes off. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. Like, I thought it was till death do us part. Why you leave me? <laughs> takes off down the mountain. <laughs> My boy's right there, and he's just like, you, you just got to go. So I'm standing edge, looking directly into the pit of hell. <laughs> I, said, I said, Jesus, please don't kill me. And then I just went. <laughs> and based off that move, you can tell what happened next. <laughs> and I lasted about half a second, and I went face first into the snow. Did a complete flip, face first again. Another flip. This time I, fall, I, not face first, but like head my, on the side. I do one more flip, and now I'm flying down the mountain with the board and my feet up in the air. People in the lift above are screaming like, turn around. I'm like, I don't know how. Just flying down this mountain. And, and finally I feel like I'm flying, I'm going down this thing forever, and, and, I, and I go all the way into this netting, which I'm like, now I know why there's netting. Thank you. I appreciate that. And at this point, because I was up at the top trying to talk myself into this for about 30 minutes, my wife had skied down. She grabbed lunch. She talked to her friends. She hopped back on the lift. She saw me flying down. So then she comes and she skis. I'm literally laying in this fence just thanking God that I didn't die. She comes over like, It's like, hey, babe. I was like, you better stop with the She's like, are you okay? I was like, I'm okay, but like how much further? I feel like we gotta be close to the bottom. She's like, no, not even close. She's like, don't worry, like I'll, I'll go with you, I'll help you. And we start going and, have you ever like been with someone that you knew they didn't wanna stay, but they did it out of obligation? And she just stayed and she's like looking at her watch, you know, I was like, babe, you can go, you can go. She's like, no, I wanna, I wanna help you. I was like, babe, you can go. She's like, okay, took off. And, and for the next three hours, I made my way down that stupid mountain. <laughs> three hours, no joke. I went, I fell, I went, I fell, I went, I fell. And, and I cannot tell you how frustrating it was to not be able to get down. I can't tell you how, how terrified I was before that moment when it came to snowboarding and mountains and heights. But, but I cannot tell you how exhilarating it was when I got to the bottom of the mountain and I realized that, that my fear should never be bigger than my faith. See, see, I can't tell you how exhilarating it was when, when I realized that I'm way stronger than even I realized. So I think so often when we get to these places of where we're consumed by fear, and these obstacles and these roadblocks, we think that it's a sign that we're heading in the wrong direction. But God's like, no, that's exactly where you need to go. Keep going. Push through that wall. You're stronger than you know. Say no to that fear and say yes to what I'm calling you to. See, I think for far too often, we have chosen to let our fears limit the story that God wants to write in our lives. What are you so 
afraid of. See, in verse 4, when, when Jonah realizes that he's running from God and he's doing whatever he can to avoid this future, God intervenes in his story. It says, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. And all the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down, and he fell into a deep sleep. And then the captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God, and maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Have you ever had a moment in your life when you were just so overwhelmed with whatever was happening, when you felt so consumed with fear and worry that, that you were like, I don't know what to do next. I, don't, I feel like God's abandoned me. I feel like I'm, I'm just lost. And have you ever been in such a moment, maybe you feel with anxiety and depression where, where all you want to do was sleep? You ever been there where, like, I can't do it anymore. I just need to sleep. I know I have. I just, oh, it's like, I can't, I can't. I just got to sleep. But you know, you know what happens every single time I wake up from that sleep? I still feel overwhelmed. I still am riddled with anxiety. Like the sleep does not eliminate it because God's like, you cannot put pause when I'm trying to call you into a new future. He says, you cannot put your life on pause. See? need to realize that the anxiety is real, the depression is real, the fear is real, the worry is real, but it just means that there's material for a new decision, a new future, a new you. They say, wake up. Why are you sleeping? Do you notice all that's going on around you? Do you see all the brokenness and all the fear and all the bitterness and all the anger? I don't know about you, but I think God is sick and tired of seeing another person shot for no reason. I think God's like, you've hit the snooze button too often. But the weapons that we fight with are not weapons of war. They're weapons of love. They're weapons of hope. They're weapons of forgiveness and mercy and kindness. Where we're going to create a new story and a new future. So we're calling this conference the new because we need a new normal. We need a new future. And I think God was trying to shake Jonah up. I said, Jonah, you, you are my messenger. That there's things that I want to do in and through you, Jonah. But, but you're letting not only worry fuel your fears, but you're also letting worry leave you helpless. And when God has this conversation with us, he's like, what are you so afraid of? He reminds us that we cannot let worry leave us helpless. Because when we find ourselves in this passive place where we're just trying to ignore and act like nothing's happening, see, it's just living in a facade because when our eyes are closed, the world continues moving forward. He said, I need you to wake up, Jonah. I need you to wake up. LA, I need you to wake up, America. I need you to wake up, humanity. And in verse 7, it says, 
Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. And they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. And so they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? It's like CSI investigation. In verse 9, he answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of the heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And this terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? Because they knew he was running from the Lord, for he had already told them so. In verse 11, the sea was getting rougher and rougher, and so they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down? Pick me up. And throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault and that this great storm has come upon you. And verse 13, listen to their response. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. And then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. And then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. And at this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. And now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. No big deal. Cash. (laughs) And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. See, Jonah finally comes clean. He, he tells them that, that the reason this storm has come, the reason this is happening is, is because I'm running from God. And, and, and the, that this massive storm is, is threatened to break up the ship. And, and they're worried. And they said, what are we going to do now? We need to figure out what's happening because obviously someone is to blame. And Jonah says, it's me. Because he understands that, that when it comes to God, that that if you didn't obey, that, that it, there was wrath that was coming. See, if you didn't obey, there was judgment that was coming. And, and this storm was a reminder that when you mess with God, he's coming for you. Except that's not at all what was happening. See, Jonah thought that the storm was punishment, but he didn't realize that it was actually God's way of catching him. Saying, you can run all you want, but I'm coming for you, not to spite you, but to save you. See, and I wonder for you, what are the things, what are the seasons, what are the moments that, that you have been overwhelmed with life and you thought that God abandoned you, you thought that God brought the storm, but you didn't realize that he didn't bring the storm to punish you. He brought the storm so that finally you could stop running from him and let him run into you. See, Jonah had this view of God that I know God came for wrath. I know it's over. I disobeyed, and now it's going to cost me my life, throw me overboard. But I love their response of these sailors, that it says, instead of throwing him overboard, they did eventually. We don't need to get to that. Let's talk about initially. (laughs) But their initial response was, instead of doing that, they tried to row back to land. Isn't it so crazy that that the one who had the call of God was lacking the character of God? 
And the one, these sailors who had yet to even meet God, had, didn't even know who he was. They were asking, whose God is this? Had no clue who God was, yet they embodied the character of God. See, don't get it twisted. Your proximity to God, your proximity to church, your proximity to religion has no impact on your proximity to the character of God. See, the character of God is only forced through intimacy. It's only forced through passion and urgency. And these sailors who had never met God actually embodied the presence of God. And they actually were showing Jonah what he was missing in his life. So when you read the story of Jonah, if you're familiar with it and how it ends, he spends three days and three nights in the belly of this fish. I don't know how you spend your weekend, but that's what I do. I just chill in fishes, bellies. But it says he, that he's in the belly, and then, and then God says, I need you to go to Nineveh because there's something I'm doing. There's, something, there's a reason I gave you this message. Stop running away scared and go. So he takes this fish, and this fish spits him out, and he's in Nineveh. It's crazy, right? We ain't got time to get in all of it. Go and read it on yourself. Go read it by yourself. Jonah, it's fascinating. But when we hear that story, we think, oh, and then he goes and he preaches in Nineveh, and it says an entire hundreds of thousands of people are saved because they finally hear the story and the message of hope in Jesus, the hope of the Hebrew God, and that, and that they say yes, and they create an entirely new future. And that's beautiful, powerful. Lives were changed, futures saved. But I think what's really fascinating about this moment is that it wasn't just about Nineveh. It was actually also about these soldiers, or these sailors, sorry. And that, and that what God was trying to teach Jonah, he said, yeah, you can go to Nineveh, but if you don't have compassion, it's not going to work. See, he brought them together. See, when Jonah is on this ship, and when he says, throw me overboard, and when they say, no, that's not what you do to another human being, they have compassion on him. And God said, see, that's why I brought you here, Jonah. It's because they're going to teach you a virtue that you will not learn outside of community. See, I think a lot of us, we want God to give us something just from him. And you're like, yo, you don't realize that the way God moves is through people. See, there's people in your life that I promise you God has brought into your story that are filled with patience because you need patience. And a lot of times they're called spouse and boyfriend. And see, there's people in your life that, that if you do not know them, you are not going to discover the mercy that God wants to put in your life. See, there's, there's friends and there's families that are in your life because they have a characteristic and a nature that you have fought against. And God's saying, I put them in your life because when are you going to wake up and realize that this is what it looks like to be connected to me? See, we need each other. We need the power of community, see, we need to have a conversation with one another because it's through not just our intimacy with God, but it's through our intimacy with others that we begin to develop the characteristics of God. So we cannot let worry fuel our fears. So we, we cannot let worry leave us helpless. The last thing is we cannot do is, is that we cannot just worry about ourselves. Because that's one of the most profound things that will happen when you connect to the living God is that, is that you realize that every good thing he's ever given you, every good thing he's ever poured into your life was not supposed to just be for you. Because here's the crazy thing about worry, right, is, is that worry turned inward 
just creates narcissism. But, but worry turned outward actually creates compassion. And we find ourselves in this place where we, we care about people more than we could have imagined. Have you ever been around somebody you're like, my goodness, I actually care about you? And you're shocked? You're like, Yo, I actually didn't, I, I kind of didn't like you, and now I, I do. See, sometimes the miracles aren't the crazy thing where, like, the fire from heaven comes down. Sometimes it's you actually learn how to be patient with another human being. See, sometimes it's actually you learn that there's mercy that you need to give someone else. See, sometimes it's the miracle is that you desperately wanted to choose forgiveness, but bitterness was the only story that you knew and you didn't know how you could get there. And then God said, just come with me. I want you to to be around people that are reminding you that there's a new way to do things. Reminding you that there's a new story that he wants to write in your life. See, there's, there's this thing about worry that I think God is trying to beat it out of us. He's trying to get us to understand and, and realize that, that it's not supposed to have a space in our soul. Because he said, there's a new story that, that I'm writing in you and I need you to trust me. He says, stop worrying about what you cannot control. See, stop worrying about what's going to happen and creating negative scenarios, but I need you to start living with a new normal, with a new vigor, with a new hope. See, when Jonah was in the belly of that fish, I don't think it was accidental that he was in there for three days and three nights. Because Shortly after that, there would be a person named Jesus who would come into our story. And, and he would come and he would live a perfect, sinless life. He, he would show us what it actually looked like, that, that compassion and hope and mercy and love could, could actually move from the inside out. And, and, he, and he taught us what it meant to be human again. And then he, he knew how much that we needed a new start. We needed a new future. And, and so he saw the power of destruction and he saw the power of death. And, and so he decided that he was going to give up his life, that he was going to allow himself to be brutally crucified, to be put in a tomb and for three days, let his body be decomposing so that when he got out of the grave, when he conquered it, he can let us know there's nothing that he cannot overcome. See, I think when when Jonah was in that fish, it was his tomb. Where he said, Jonah, I'm going to have a conversation with you. But when we come out of this, I'm going to need you to be different. I'm going to need you to actually be a little bit more like me. I'm going to need you to, to put some things to death. And Jonah, I need you to put your pride and make sure when I spit you out that it stays in this belly. See, I think there's things in your life and my life that God's saying, I need there to be a tomb in your present so that there could be a resurrection in your future he says step into the tomb step into the grave step into this moment where you stop worrying about yourself and you realize that there's a future that's waiting for you 
See, I know that there's some of you here tonight that God's been having a conversation with you and you have been running scared. You've been running as far away from him as, as possible. You, you didn't think that he could catch you. You didn't think that he would find you. But yet, you're here. Yet, your heart's open. Yet, you're here in this moment. And, and as clear as my voice, I know that there's some of you here tonight that that you're just done running from God and especially that person. We just, you're just done letting all the distractions of life get in the way. You're done having moments that you know God is speaking to you, you know he's calling you to a greater future and you ignore it, but today you're saying I'm done because I know that even though I'm terrified, even though I'm filled with fear, I know on the other side of my fear, God's waiting for me. So if you're here and it's time to begin a new journey of faith, it's time to, to let God take mastery of your soul and, and for him to have a conversation with you and to look you straight in the eye and say, what are you so afraid of? What is that fear that that's keeping you chained to the past if one more phone goes off <laughs> see because we're fighting for souls tonight see we're, we're fighting for futures tonight and I don't care how many phones go off I don't care how many mics stop working see we're not leaving until we help people discover a new future I want, us, I want us all to bow our heads and close our eyes because we're going to eliminate all the distractions. Father, we know you're in this room. And God, we know that you've been speaking far before this moment. You've been having conversations with each and every one of us that led us to this place, that led us to this moment. And so Jesus, I just pray that you would just get my voice out of the way and you would just speak and say whatever you have to say. God, I pray that there's people in this room right now that, that have lived a narrative. They've believed the story that you are the God that only wants to judge and condemn. And they were so afraid to come tonight because of what could happen. And But tonight, that God, I pray that you would speak life into their soul right now. I pray that there would be no ounce of guilt or shame that could rest in them, that they would know you are the God who only brings love. You are the God who only brings healing. You are the God who only brings compassion and mercy. God, we thank you so much that even when other people see us at our worst, even when other people remind us of our past, God, you're the one that, that only cares about our best. So if you're here right now, or if you're on live stream watching on online community all across the world, and you know it's time for you to stop running from God and start running into his love. Then I'm, right now, what I want you to do is I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I just want you to say these words. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. That's it. Jesus, I give you my life. And it's with those words when God just 
breathe new life into you. Just receive it. Just soak it in. Just tell him. Tell him how much he matters to you. Tell him how thankful you are. Just tell him, Jesus, I give you my life. If, if that was you tonight and you prayed that prayer, then what I want to ask you to do right now is I want you to raise your hand because I want to pray for you. So I want you right now, just raise up your hand as high as you can so I can see you. Don't worry about who's watching. Don't worry about who's looking. This is between you and God. This is beautiful. It's beautiful. This is why we're here. Anyone else? Keep your hand up high. I want to see you. Can we dim the lights down a little bit? I want to see you. Who else? Who else? It's your time. It's your moment. Yes, beautiful. Thank you. Because I want to see you because God is seeing you right now. He's looking you right in your face saying he loves you. Saying you matter to him. Saying welcome home. It's beautiful. One more moment. Is there anyone else in this room that you're ready to trust Jesus with everything? Anyone else? Beautiful. I see you. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room right now who had the courage to to step into a new future, Jesus. I pray that you would just fill them with your hope right now. Jesus, I pray that they would know that you are their, their most prized possession, that there is nothing that they could do that could keep them from your love, Jesus. Now, God, I pray right now, every person with their hand held high, I pray that you would give them a new word right now that they would hear from you, that they wouldn't listen to what other people say about them. But right now, Jesus, I pray you would tell them who they truly are. Jesus, we thank you, God, that we thank you that, that even when we run away from you, it doesn't stop you from running directly to us. So we love you so much, Jesus. We thank you. And we ask this in your name. Amen and amen. Hey, Mosaic, can we just right now celebrate? Thank God. We can do better than that. Come on. It's beautiful. So good. Man, I just, I just feel like this is September 1st. How crazy is that? 2020 is like four months away. I know everyone just, wait, they freaked out on this side of the room. They didn't know. It's September. See, I get the sense that, that there's people in this room that, that at the beginning of the year, you're like, I had these dreams and I had these ambitions. I had these desires. And then you're like, what happened? It's September. And I know that there's things in you that God has put inside of you that he wants you to step into that you're terrified of. It might be a new job. It might be a new adventure. It might be a new relationship. But, but I, I just sense that there's people in this room that, that for 2019, when God has asked you the question, what are you so afraid of? Your answer has been everything. I'm, I'm scared and I'm nervous and God, what if and what happened? And you've been, you've been living in regret. But what I love about God is that all it takes is one day. All it takes is one shift. All it takes is one moment. And so if there's anyone right now that you're here and you're like, 
I'm done letting fear tell the story. I'm done letting fear be the, the, the marker of my life that I'm ready to be free from it. I'm ready to be alive. I'm ready to no longer live in the past, but live in the future. If there's anyone out there, then I want you to sing this song like you mean it. I want you to let it be a declaration that said, nothing is going to stop me. Come on. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you've just received, allow it to go deeply into your soul, to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. And I also want to encourage you to be a part of what we're doing here at Mosaic, to go to the Mosaic app and to become a part of the Mosaic Foundation, to become a regular giver and investor in bringing this message across the world. I want to thank you so much for being here with us. God bless you.